Hello there, everyone. I'm James. I am the pastor of the Glenwood Moravian Community Church here in Madison. And this is The Essentials. It's a podcast to explore our faith a little bit more, talk about what's going on in the world, and to hopefully share some good news that we see out there. I have for you our lessons and our message from Sunday, November 19th. Our first reading came from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it was verses 1 through 11. We don't need to write to you about the timing and dates, brothers and sisters. You know very well that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. When they are saying there's peace and security, at that time sudden destruction will attack them, like labor pains start with a pregnant woman and they definitely won't escape. But you aren't in darkness, brothers and sisters, so the day won't catch you by surprise like a thief. All of you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to night or darkness. So then let's not sleep like the others. Let's stay awake and stay sober. People who sleep, sleep at night. People who get drunk, get drunk at night. Since we belong to the day, Let's stay sober, wearing faithfulness and love as a piece of armor that protects our body, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. God didn't intend for us to suffer his wrath, but rather to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. So continue encouraging each other and building each other up just like you are already doing. And our gospel lesson was from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 29. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the counts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you have given me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come. Celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you have given me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, 
You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, take what's yours. The master replied, You evil and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown, and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed. In that case, you should have turned my money over to the banker, so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Here ends the reading of our word. So last Sunday was my introduction to Glenwood Moravian. It was my first time taking part in a worship service here, but I don't really think of it as my first sermon. That initial sermon on the first day is kind of a one-off as you get things going, as you get to know each other. I feel like the second Sunday is really when you start diving into scripture like you typically would. So I kind of think of this week as being a first real sermon. And I was all prepared to tell you about this parable of the talents that we just heard, to share how protecting or hiding our gifts because we're afraid of losing them is just about the only way we can guarantee that our gifts won't see their potential. It was actually a rare occurrence that I had my sermon wrapped up in the middle of the week, as I'm usually someone who's making tweaks on Saturday night, and I've learned that's really the best approach for me, because there have been many times when I complete a sermon on Wednesday, and that sermon doesn't even make it to the pulpit, because in the days between something else comes up or a different direction comes to mind, and I end up rewriting the whole thing anyway. Well, this week, the sermon I had finished on Wednesday didn't have a chance to make it to worship on Sunday because of what I saw that took place in Madison on Saturday. There I was just wanting to check on the Badgers score, see how things were going. Before I could find that, I saw that we made national news. Because on Saturday, there were proud neo-Nazis marching in the streets of Madison. And it was hard to fully believe that that is a reality we could possibly be living in in 2023. And first, there is a temptation that says they don't deserve the time of day when it comes to our Sunday morning worship. We gather to celebrate God, to pray to God, and we don't want to give them more attention or give them the publicity that they seek. But I really think ignoring their presence among us would be far more irresponsible. So I was with other clergy from the near west side of Madison on Thursday of last week. 
It's a group that has just started getting together, trying to form relationships and to consider how we can collaborate with one another because we serve in the same neighborhoods. And after some time spent with introductions and sharing about our congregations, inevitably, the pain and the chaos we see in the Middle East came up. We lamented the violence. We joined in frustration that it is becoming impossible to talk about an issue like this because it's so polarizing. Everything is an extreme We've lost the place for nuance and for discussion. But mainly, we spoke about this desire we have to do something for our Jewish brothers and sisters, our siblings who are hurting. And this conflict that is so tense currently has been there for decades. It's touched their lives in horrific ways. And one of the pastors with us shared that she saw a report saying how anti-Semitism is growing rapidly here in the United States. But this is when I have to claim my own ignorance. Because when I hear that, when I hear that anti-Semitism is growing, I can have a hard time contextualizing it and fully understanding what that entails, what the examples are. Where is it happening? How is it happening? Is it hate being spread online? Are Jewish businesses and places of worship being threatened? Well, I know it's a very serious problem, but I have a great lack of experience witnessing these things firsthand in my own sheltered and privileged life. So without specific examples, sometimes it can be hard to see where this is tangible and where this is real and dangerous. And all of us in our clergy group kind of shared that feeling. We also shared that we just don't know what to do. We can't imagine what the Jewish community is facing right now what it's like to go through a period like this, and we want to help. But frankly, we have no idea where to start. So we landed on a simple gesture that we hope will be the first step in forming better relationships. We just wanted to let our Jewish siblings know that we're holding them in prayer, that they are not alone. So that led to me on Friday afternoon going over to Temple Bethel, which is a Jewish synagogue just a few blocks away from our church. And I went with a dozen white roses, which are meant to symbolize loyalty or positive growth. And we attached a card where we expressed our love and our support and signed it as the clergy in this area. Now, I will be the first to admit that that was an incredibly awkward encounter. I show up as a total stranger on a Friday afternoon with all these roses in my hand, not knowing a single person in their community. 
these roses and this card. It wasn't for a specific occasion for this Jewish community directly. It was just for this ongoing conflict in general. So while I knew that it was the right thing to do, I knew it was certainly a nice thing to do. There was just a small part of me that felt like it was a little bit forced. Not that it wasn't genuine, but still that it was a little constructed and maybe not as helpful as we wanted it to be. It is a very simple and obvious gesture as this conflict has been going on for weeks. And I really, I didn't know how much it would mean, if it would mean anything at all. And I worried that they'd get the flowers on Friday, they'd feel good about it for a day or two, and then it would be long forgotten. But then Saturday happened. There were literally Nazis and swastikas on full display near the Capitol, undeterred, allowed to practice and project their hate freely. And those wonderings I had, those wonderings saying, in what ways is anti-Semitism taking place and where is this happening? All of that was quickly silenced as I wished what I was seeing wasn't real. And suddenly those flowers and that card that I didn't know if it had much weight, well, it meant a lot more now. It wasn't so silly or forced in my mind anymore. And personally, I'm so thankful for my partners in ministry who not only had this idea, but nominated me as the person closest to this synagogue. Because when that horrible scene came up on the news, when I saw this taking place, I knew that immediately that denouncing this hate from the pulpit wouldn't be the beginning and the end when it comes to my interaction with this issue. I knew that even if it might have been awkward at the moment, we were trying to do something more than just talk about another issue. We were trying to produce hope and share our love in a real and tangible way. But let me be clear, I don't share that to pat ourselves on the back and say what a wonderful, th wonderful thing us pastors did. I share it because so often we see something in the news, it breaks our hearts, but we truthfully don't believe we can really have an impact. It's too far away, or it occurs within a community that we don't have a connection with, and as much as we want to help, we just don't know how. It's a frustration I feel constantly as I see things happening in our world. I just have no idea how to be involved in a tangible way. And to be honest, I'm tired of telling people that I'm praying for them because that's all I know how to do. But here, we can have an impact. This happened in our city, in our state, 
This community that was targeted, a community that shares our ancestors of faith, they gather to worship just a few blocks away from our congregation. And right now they are hurting. And they need someone to step up to the plate for them. Now, late Saturday night, when I was rewriting that Wednesday sermon that I had finished, I paused to send an email to Rabbi Jonathan Biak at Temple Bethel. And I didn't meet him on Friday when I dropped off the flowers, so it was another clunky introduction telling him why he was getting a message from the pastor down the road at 9 p.m. on a Saturday. But I reaffirmed what we said in our note, and I reaffirmed our support as clergy in the area. And I offered an educated guess that I think my colleagues will be talking about this in worship like I was planning to do. And I closed by saying, whatever they need, however we can be there for them, to please just let us know. And that we wasn't meant for more collaboration from this clergy group. That we was signing up our community of faith, this congregation, to show up for our siblings down the road. Because we can have an impact. We can respond to the darkness we see on the news and we see in the world in a real way. And I don't know what we can do or will do. I'm not sure what will be asked of us. But I would love for us to at least talk about it more. On Sunday morning before worship, I checked my email and had a reply from Rabbi Jonathan. He's on sabbatical, but was so touched by our support that he wanted to make sure to reply and make sure that our gesture didn't go unnoticed. And while not just thinking of himself and his community, he applauded our support of them and our love for them, but encouraged us to reach out to others who are targets of such hate from the neo-Nazis. Those of the LGBTQ community, other communities of color, all who are targets of such hateful ideology. He said, we appreciate your support and we want to collaborate to see who else we can hold in prayer and embrace when these things happen. So I would welcome your conversations. I would welcome your ideas. And I pray that together we see this as an opportunity to produce real hope real love with real people in our midst out of that terrible scene that we saw in our city. Amen. I thank you for listening to another episode. Good to be with you all. You can learn more about the church that I serve, the Glenwood Moravian Community Church. You can check out our website, you can follow us on Facebook. You can join us for worship on YouTube. 
And you can learn more about Moravians by going to moravian.org. So take care, be well. I will catch you next time.